0: Let me begin this morning by welcoming all of you at all of our campuses this morning, Blunstown, Shipley, and uh, Mariana. Hey, and uh, when you came in today, there was a card on your seat, and uh, it was a great card for you to use as an invite opportunity. On one side, we have an opportunity for you to invite um, kids to Jingle Jam, families to Jingle Jam uh, on Christmas Eve, and also our Christmas experience on Christmas Eve. So this is a great card for you to begin to think about, pray about, hey, who do I need to be inviting, what families, what neighbors, what coworkers? Uh, should I be inviting because you don't want to miss the 24th of December and you want to make sure you bring a friend with you because it will be great for the kids and their experience and it's going to be great for you students and adults as well. So, hey, I'm really excited about this season uh, because we're kicking off, as you know, our Christmas series, Waiting for Christmas, because for the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a struggle that no one talks about at Christmas, But it is absolutely a very significant part of the Christmas story. And you go, well, what is that struggle that nobody talks about? It is the weariness that every Christ follower eventually feels as they wait on God to act. Let me say that one more time. It is the weariness that every Christ follower eventually feels as they wait on God to act. Now, some of you at our churches, um, you're just starting to follow Jesus. And so you haven't hit that stage yet. Everything is exciting and everything is incredible. And God seems to answer every one of your prayers as quickly as you pray them. And this whole following Jesus thing, it's exciting and it's new and it's absolutely amazing. And I am so glad that you're experiencing that. And I don't even want to rain on your prey today, even though it is raining today. But here's what, as your pastor, I don't want you to get caught off guard. So I'm just telling you, you need to take good notes today. Because the time is going to come when you're going to be waiting on God to act. You're going to be waiting for God to come through. But for those of you that are with us at all of our churches, and and you've been waiting on Jesus for a while to come through on something, and, and you're committed to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that weariness Some of you have gone through a season of weariness. Some of you are in a season of weariness. And part of that weariness comes from the fact that you're not seeing the results that you want to see in your life. I mean, you feel like your obedience isn't leading to the outcome that you're looking for. And there doesn't seem to be any reward for the faithfulness or doing things right, especially when you're doing things right and it's really hard or it's going against the cultural norms. For example... Maybe you're stuck in a tough marriage and you decided, no, I'm going to honor God and I'm going to honor my family and I'm going to honor my spouse and I'm going to stick it out and I'm going to fight for the relationship, even though you know it would just be easier to do like everybody else and just bail on the marriage, but she's not changing or he's not changing and things don't seem to be getting any better. In fact, it seems like they're getting worse and, and you don't even see any hope for it to get better. I mean, you still love God and, and you still believe that marriage is something that is, is between a man and a woman for life. And you're about ready to give up on the practical side of living that out because you're weary. Or maybe the exact opposite is true for you. You're single, And you have been waiting for a person to come along and and you want that person to have the same values, the same beliefs, and your standards are high. And you want to make sure that you end up with someone who loves God as much as you love God and and cares about you as as much as you will care about them. And and the problem is that all your friends are out on dates every Friday night and, and you're set at home watching Netflix or some stupid Hallmark Christmas movie or something like that. And God hasn't sent someone special, you know, your way. And so you're thinking, maybe I just need to quit expecting so much. Maybe I just need to take the same approach that all but everybody else is taking and I just go with the flow because this isn't getting me anywhere. Or maybe... You're a college student or a high school student. You're a junior or senior, and you've tried to stay faithful to God and do all the right things every semester and be a model of what following Jesus is all about. But you are tired of sitting in your dorm room or you're tired of sitting at home every weekend while your friends go out and do what high school seniors do or college students do. And you know, you know, in your heart, that long-term there will be consequences to the choices that they're making. But at the moment, I mean, you're just kind of tired of sitting on the sideline. Besides, you see plenty of Christian classmates who don't seem to have any problem living ways that are contradictory to Jesus and the way he taught, and you don't see any consequences of their life right now, so maybe you shouldn't even worry about that right now. See, maybe for some of you, the issue is you've been asking God. No, you've not just been asking God. You have been fervently begging God in a prayer for months and months. You've done everything that you could. and You've told God, you know, hey, here's, here's what I'm waiting for. Here's what I'd love to see happening. And you've been faithful and you've been obedient and you've been trusting him in the process. And you knew that if you were faithful and obedient and you trusted him, that eventually, eventually, he'd answer your prayer. Now here you are. And the answer, they don't seem to be coming your way. And he's not doing what you want him to do. And, and you're just kind of on the verges, throwing in the towel and saying, God, I'm done. I'm walking away. I mean, besides, what's the point? People who don't obey God, they seem to get what they want all the time. But here you are, you try so hard to do what's right, but where's the payoff? Where's the reward for being faithful to your spouse, to being loyal to your family, to honoring God with your lifestyle? Here's what I know. If you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you've had those thoughts, haven't you? I've had those thoughts. We all have. You're you're not alone in those thoughts. I mean, there are days and there are weeks and there are months and sometimes there's even years. There are stages and there are seasons of life when we all get tired of doing the right thing, tired of following, tired of obeying. So I I just wanna say to all of you, all of our churches today, if that's what you're feeling right now, there are two things I want you to know. We're gonna see this from scripture today. First of all, God knows you're going through those times, and he knows what you're feeling. He knows the emotion that you're feeling, and he understands. And you go, I don't care if he understands or not. I'm tired. I wish he would do something. But we're going to talk about that. As a matter of fact, what you're going to see is not only does God understand that you get tired, um, he says it's okay that you get tired. We just got to know what to do with that. And we're gonna talk about that today. Now, the other thing that you need to know is what you choose to do in those moments when you're tired. Don't miss this. All of our churches, Bluntstown, Chipley, Mariana, don't miss this. What you choose to do in those moments when you are tired, they become the defining moments of your life. And I wanna say something. Most of us make decisions when we are tired that we regret for the rest of our lives. I've pastored for 30 years. I've had hundreds of people say the worst thing I ever did was divorce my spouse. The worst thing I ever did was quit my job. The worst thing I ever did was quit talking to my parents. See, when we t- we're tired, we make horrible life decisions we make decisions in a moment that impact our life for a lifetime so you need to understand what you choose to do in these moments when you're tired and many of you are and i know that That's why we're having this conversation for the next three weeks they're the defining moments of your life see these moments when you are weary and when you are tired They're often the moments when you either make the worst decisions of your life or you grow the closest to God and become the strongest. It's when your faith can be strengthened and when your faith can be deepened. But it determines on whether you respond by leaning into God or choosing to what many people do in our culture and walk away. Now, now the interesting thing is, This whole dynamic of waiting on God and and being tired. I mean, when you really stop and think about the Christmas story, when you look at about the amount of people who got tired of doing good, you go, wow, that's just kind of front and center in the Christmas story. See, what, what we tend to do is we portray the Christmas story as nothing but glad tidings of good cheer and great joy. That, that's how we tend to go in it. We want that nice, warm feeling. Oh my goodness, good cheer, great joy, you know, for all the people. But you know, there's a lot of weariness and waiting that happens before Christmas, before Jesus' birth. And I'm not just talking about a few years before Jesus' birth. I'm talking like for hundreds of years, people were wondering, they were tired, and they were weary because they have been waiting for God to show up, and they're saying, God, why haven't you showed up, and why aren't you rewarding our obedience? So, today, what I wanna do is, I wanna start this Christmas series, this conversation, by taking you back to the Old Testament story, right? We're not going to Judges this year. Um, we're gonna go back to Isaiah, okay? So, I wanna take you back to the Old Testament story of people who were tired of waiting and feeling the same weariness that many of us are feeling. The story, as I said, is found in the book of Isaiah. If you wanna go there, chapter 40 is where we're gonna be. Now, Isaiah is not typically one of those books you necessarily read at Christmas time. And it's not even a book you necessarily read very often because it's really kind of hard to understand this book without understanding the context of what the story of Isaiah is. So let me just kind of set the stage for you. The story they're going to be talking about it happens um, around 735 BC, after the two or after the basically the nation of Israel divides into kingdoms. In fact, here's how this looks on a map. So you had Israel, which the part of Israel that divided out was called Israel, which was the northern kingdom, and then the part another part that divided out was called Judah during that time, and it was known as the southern kingdom. Now, here's the thing. Israel's king, you may not know him, um, his name was Pekah, and um, he was not a great guy, but um, he went to see the king of Aram, right? And this is where Aram was located at that point in time. And he goes and he says to him, he says, hey, how about we make an alliance? So the king of Aram and um, and, and, um, Israel, the northern kingdom, they come together and say, hey, let's make an alliance together and let's attack Assyria, the Assyrian Empire. Now, if you know much about ancient history, you know this was not a good idea for even two kings to come together to attack Assyria, because at this point, Assyria was the world's superpower. They were ferocious warriors who occupied all the territory north and east. I mean, there was a huge superpower. Now, the king of Judah, his name was Ahaz. So these two kings, the king of Aram and Israel, the northern kingdom, they, they go, um, let's send a message down to the king of Judah and ask him if he's willing, because this is a superpower of beer, ask him if he would be willing to come together with us and let's attack Assyria together. Now, you got to understand, Ahaz, he was in his early 20s. In Ahaz, he was kind of full of himself. He was full of pride, and uh, he didn't follow God. In fact, Ahaz sacrificed children on altars of fire to pagan gods. In fact, at one point, he closed the temple in Jerusalem that people had been worshiping in for hundreds of years. So Ahaz was so bad that when he died, they refused to bury him in Jerusalem with the other kings, in fact, they burned him outside the city. So Ahaz, he, he gets this message, come join forces with us, you know, so we can attack Assyria, and he suddenly in this very tough spot. If he says, yes, I'm gonna join this attack, he, he knows that all three of them together are not capable of defeating Assyria, and he knows what's gonna happen. Assyria is gonna bring their big superpower down, and they're gonna attack all of them and just crush them all. But if he says no then the king of Israel and the king of Aram is going to come against him. They're going to be offended, and they're going to attack Judah themselves. So Ahaz is in this catch-22. But because he doesn't honor God, he refuses to ask God uh, what he needs to do, and he ends up saying, no, I'm not going to help y'all attack Assyria. And sure enough, guess what these guys do? They turn on him, and they start marching towards Jerusalem. Meanwhile, you have to understand, there are all these people in Judah. There are all these people who've been living in Judah. They're trying to remain faithful to God, even though they have this very ungodly king that they did not choose and did not want. But now their homeland is about to be attacked in spite that they are all doing the right thing. And many of them are starting to say, Why should we even be faithful to God? Why why keep praying? Why, Why keep obeying? We are doing good, but nothing good is happening for us in return. And these people are on the verge of walking away. And so God sends this prophet by the name of Isaiah with a message for this group of people who are so tired and so weary and this message is not just for them. It's also for us when we're tired and when we're weary of doing good and whenever we're tempted to walk away from God. So if you got your Bibles open, look with me at Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 12, because here's what Isaiah says. He says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heaven? So he's literally saying, who has measured The water's in the hollow of his hand. In other words, who can hold all the oceans and lakes, the sea, in the palm of their hand? Can you do that? And then he goes, and, or with the breath of his hand marked off the earth, literally saying, um, God created it all. I mean, in other words, he used his hand to create it all. In other words, God is so great that he could do so more than what we could ever imagine or think. And then he goes on the next verse. He says, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? In other words, God is so great that he could gather up all the dirt on the planet. Not only could he put all the water in the palm of his hand, but he could gather up all the dirt on the planet and carry it around in his picnic basket fact, He's so great that he could take all the mountain and the hills and he could put them on his scales in his bathroom. I mean, that's, that's how big God is. Now, if you're big enough to do that, then I guess it's okay for you to walk away and do your own thing and disobey God. But if not, I don't think you're quite ready to be God, but he goes on. He's not done. Notice verse 13. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? In other words, Isaiah is saying, has ever anybody ever enlightened God on an issue? And some of us are going, well, I tried to a few times. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you have, I have, right? I mean, like we said things like this, God, I don't know if you're paying attention, but I don't have enough money for this month. Or, God, I don't know if you're paying attention, but my, my spouse won't straighten up. God, I don't know if you're paying attention, but I still don't have a spouse. Like, see, we've all done that kind of conversation with God before, have we? But here's the thing. In our attempt to enlighten God, I bet you've never heard God say, oh, man, I had no idea. Thanks for filling me in. I really appreciate it. I was busy over here doing this. I forgot all, no. No, no, no. God says No. I'm completely in the loop already. I know everything there is to know. And Isaiah goes, "Um, I'm gonna show you that, but he's not done asking questions which help us understand that. So skip down to verse 21. Here's what he says next. Do you not know Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. So he's saying, listen, all those things things that you worry about, all those people, they're they're like grasshoppers to God. He, He can handle it. You don't have to stay awake at night. You don't have to have conversations in your head. Just have a conversation with God. He can handle it. And oh, by the way, you know, all those things that you worry about, the world, what's going to happen with the world, you know, all this climate stuff and all that, and it says, okay, God's got it. I mean, the whole universe is like a tent in his hands. Like he's on a whole nother scale compared to us. So skip down to the next verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. And we all know the answer to that, right? No one is. But you know what? We forget that no one is equal to God when God is not doing what we think he should do, right? We, we forget that no one is equal to God when our obedience isn't leading to the outcome that we want. And what we begin to do is we begin to doubt. God, are you really in control God, do you really care about us as human beings? Do you really care? And so Isaiah says, hey, wait just a second. Before you walk away, you just need to remember who God is. And you just need to remember what his capacity toward us is. And then he gives us a bit of advice. And this is so powerful. Look at verse 26. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. He's saying, I I know you're tired and I know you're weary and I know you wanna sign the papers or I know you wanna call the lawyer. I know you wanna give up on this or you wanna give up on that and you wanna go out with them or you wanna invite him or her to move in with you. I know, but before you do that, just one favor, Tonight, go outside and lift your eyes to the sky. Just look to the heavens, just keep them there. And he says, ask yourself, who created all these? What, was it you? Was it that professor, that school teacher that's confusing you about God, being creator of God? Is it that friend that's telling you to walk out? Yeah, you deserve You should leave that man. You should leave that woman. You should quit that job. You should bail on your parents. Who created all this? Well, if they didn't create it, the people giving you advice, you might shouldn't listen to them. Instead, listen to God. Who created all of it? Goes on he says. He who brings out, don't miss this. This is so powerful. If you underline verses in your Bible, mark this one, underline this. Because when you're tired and weary, you need to go back to this verse. Notice what he says. He who brings out the starry host, means the star in the sky. How does he do it? Everybody say it with me. One by one. You thought they all showed up at the same time. No, God's just so big and mighty, brings them all out. Notice the next one. What else does he do? And he calls them each by name. You know, we thought we were amazing. We came up with a few names for some of them. He's got a name for all of them. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Isaiah is saying, listen, God is so amazing that he keeps track of every star in the sky, keeps it in place, keeps it in orbit. So I think he can track what's going on in your life and in my life, right? He goes on to say, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. We've all done that, haven't we? Like, God just not coming through. He's just, don't understand. He's not doing anything. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. He said, have you ever thought that? And that's all of us. God's just left me hanging. He's not coming through. It's been years now. Verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Meaning he is a lot bigger than any of your problems that you've ever had or having right now or ever will have. And then he goes on. This is where he gets real powerful. He says... He will not grow tired or weary. Yeah, you get tired. That's okay. He doesn't. There's no such thing. Get this. There's no such thing as a bad day for God. God never gets to the end of his day and goes, wow, that was overwhelming. Oh, man, I don't deal with all that. No such thing for God. In fact, he goes on and he says, and his understanding no one can fathom. Like, what's happening right now in your life may not make sense to you, but you just don't ever understand everything that God is up to behind the scenes. We just can't fathom what God can understand. And then He gives all of us a promise, all of us who have ever been weary or tired, all of us who are weird and tired right now. and this is the good news that we all of here need to hear. Listen to this verse. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Make sure you mark that verse. That's good news. That means whenever you're weary, it's not because necessarily you sinned or done anything wrong or that God is angry because God is not angry at you. It's not because God has abandoned you. No, what he wants to do is he wants you to lean into him so he can strengthen you. See, he's eager to give you strength and he's eager to give power to the weak. So your weariness is no reason to abandon God or God's ways. It's instead a reason to run to God and fall on your knees before God and say, God, I'm on the verge of walking out. I'm on the verge of walking away, but I don't want to. So please help me have the strength and the power to live through this. And when you do that, God says, oh, I am so glad you turned to me because here's what God knows. All of us, instead of turning to God when we get tired and weary, instead of what we do, we turn to other idols. We turn to other gods. We turn to our friends to get us through. We turn to some kind of substance to get us through. We turn to another job to get us through. We turn to another spouse or another person to get us through. And all those things become idolatry when we are not turning to God to get us through. And God says, I'm so glad you turned to me because I wanna give you the strength. I wanna give strength to the weary and I wanna give power to the what? To the weak. I'm not mad at you for being on the verge of abandoning me or being tired or having those thoughts or feeling. No, I'm I'm here to help you because here's what I know God says. God says, even the youth grow tired and weary. He said, I know that, I get that. Even the youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. So he's saying weariness happens to everyone. I understand life is hard because of sin and brokenness as a result of sin, but this is the promise that he makes to all of us. But those who hope in the Lord, not those who hope in another path, not those who hope in another way, not those who hope in something else, Those who hope in the Lord. And this word hope in the Lord, it carries this idea of eagerly leaning forward and anticipating something while you wait. I'm eagerly leaning forward going, my marriage is a mess right now, but I'm anticipating the miracle that God is going to do in my life and my spouse's life one day. My family's a mess right now, but I'm anticipating the miracle that God is going to do in my life when God shows up and does what he wants to do. My the whole world is a mess, but I'm anticipating what God's gonna do as I put my hope in Him. So Isaiah says, Those who hope in the Lord, notice what happens. We'll renew their strength. That's what we all want, right? See, you, you put your hope in anything else, you just get more tired, because then you gotta prop up your idol. And that's wearisome. But he says, those who put their hope in the Lord will. That's not a question of, it's, it's will. It will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagle. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And let me just say, if you're still doing life and you're putting your hope in other things, you're probably trying to soar, run, and walk, and you're getting tired all the time. But he says, those who put your hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's the only way to renew your strength. They will soar, they will run, they will walk, not grow weary or faint. Listen, in your weariness and in your waiting, you can rest assured that there are better days ahead for you because Christmas is coming. See, Isaiah was sent to a group of people to tell them, God's gonna show up and God's gonna do something. And you need to understand, yeah, it was 700 and something years before they saw all of it come together. But here's the thing. In those moments when you're tired of doing good and you don't understand what God is doing, what he's allowing to happen, God says, in your weariness, do not abandon me because I am your only source of strength. And don't lose faith because I'm not acting as quickly as you want me to act. In your weariness, you just need to pull back from all the circumstances. You just need to go outside and you need to stare at the stars if you need to. See Here's God's promise to us through Isaiah. You might want to write this down. To the extent that you put your hope in God, to that extent, you'll find strength in Him when you are weary. Don't, don't miss that. To the extent you put your hope in God, not something else, to that extent, you'll find strength in Him when you're weary tired so if you find yourself struggling to believe and struggling to follow and struggling to obey remember this you never win when you walk away you you never win when you turn your back on God you never win when you turn your back on obeying God you you never win even for a moment but you know that because you've all experienced that at some point in your life right I mean we've all got stories when we tried to do it on our own, we listened to our friends, we listened to other people, but we never stopped and leaned into God. And we know how it turns out. You never win when you walk away. You just get tired. More tired. More weary. You you only win when you stay. And you decide, I'm gonna trust God even if there's no evidence of his presence or activity in my life or my circumstance or my situation during this time. I'm gonna trust God. I'm going to focus on God. He's gonna be my hope, my source. I'm not gonna to turn to people. I'm not gonna to turn to substance. I'm not gonna to turn to things. I'm not gonna to turn to activities. It's God. Now, now remember Ahaz, our king, said no to the king of Israel and Aram. Well, you heard this message, but he didn't believe God was still there and that God cared. So Isaiah sent him one more message or God had Isaiah send him one more message. And I want you to see this message in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. I get emotional every time I read this verse in the context of the story. The virgin will be with child and will give a birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You know why that's so powerful? Because Emmanuel means God with us. God says, Hey, you're having a hard time believing I'm here. Let me prove to you. That I am here by coming to you. One day, I'm gonna show up as Jesus. And when I show up as Jesus, you'll have the confidence that I am who I say I am. And I'll do what I say I'm gonna do. In other words, when you doubt, just remember Christmas is coming. Emmanuel. God with us. There are better days ahead. Now, you know what that means for some of us? It means for the next seven days, the next seven mornings, you need to open up your Bible, maybe for some of you for the very first time, to Isaiah 40 and read Isaiah chapter 40 every morning before you listen to or speak to anybody else. And when God speaks to you through that prophecy and that promise that even the young grow weary, I get that, but those who put their hope on me because I'm Emmanuel. Whatever you experience Emmanuel saying to you in that morning when he is present with you and he's present with you all day long, you make sure you start writing it down and you tell them, say, God, I'm weary. And I know I've only got two options to lean in hard to you or walk away. Don't miss that. You've only got two options to put your hope in God or to walk away and put your hope in something else. So say, God, I'm just trusting you. I'm trusting you to keep your promise. You promised to give strength to the weary. So I'm just stepping back and I'm looking up and I'm asking you to do that. I need strength and I need power. So some of you need to say, God, man, I am so sorry that I abandoned you over him or over her or over that circumstance. I'm so sorry. I've put my hope in something else. Forgive me. I'm putting my hope in you again. Emmanuel, God with us. Let me just tell you something. When you do that, when you lean into God, even when there's no evidence that he's active or present or that he's doing anything, that's when God shows up and starts giving you strength and starts giving you power to go through the circumstance. See, when you're weary of doing good, but you still do the next right thing, that's when God says, hey, I'm going to strengthen them in their weakness. See, God is most honored when you refuse to walk away, when you stick in there and you stay regardless of the circumstances. And here's how I know what I know. This is what I know. In a crowd this size at all of our churches, there are many of you that you feel weary and you feel tired Some of you have been thinking about giving up. You've been thinking about giving up on God. You're on the verge of walking away from God. You're on the verge of walking away from your marriage. You're on the verge of walking away from your family, from your career. You're on the verge of walking away from something. So I want to end this morning by praying for you. But more than that, I want to encourage you to spend this next week, a few minutes every day to remind yourself of who God is. And at night, remind yourself of who God is. Go outside and look at the stars. And then begin to lean into that faith, lean into that heart, hard to that faith, and start believing, Emmanuel, God is with us. Because here's what I want to tell you. You never win. You never ever win when you walk away. You win when you stay and you put your hope in God who always keeps his promises. So remember this this week. To the extent that you put your hope in God, to that extent, you find strength in him when you are weary. Listen, Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas is coming. There's plenty of reason to hope. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, um, my heart breaks for those who are part of our church family who are so tired and weary. And I know that yours, way beyond my understanding, does as well. God, we got a lot of tired people. We got a lot of weird people in our church. And our family is feeling the pressure of this world. And the world's screaming, walk away, do your own thing. It's okay to disobey. I thank you for the reminder that you sent to us through Isaiah. Reminding us that even the youth, even the strongest of people, We're gonna have moments when they find themselves getting tired and weary. Even the strongest of people, we're gonna have moments when they stumble and fall. But I thank you for the promise that those who hope in you put all of our hope and our focus on you as the source of our strength, the source of our power, source of our life and our well-being will renew their strength. They will soar. They will run. They will walk and not faint. God, some of us this morning, we just wanna start walking toward you again. Others of us, God, we're ready to run to you God, we all want to soar with you. I thank you. I think that you are with us. And as we lean into you, you give us the strength to do that. You give us the power to live that. So this morning, we, together as a church family, we choose to turn our back on every other idol, every other hope that we've looked to for strength or power. And we turn our eyes to the heaven and we lean in heart to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for the reminder that Christmas is coming for all of us. Thank you for being Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you folks. Have a good day.